It's been 20 episodes and you're still calling and I'm still not answering. I'm about to record the season finale of the Miseducation of the People podcast featuring author Deshaun Vernon. This episode is for the fellas and we're really getting into a lot of stuff that men normally don't talk about. We're getting into the process of healing from people passing and heartbreak in the early age, how we learned about the purpose of relationships, how we repent for the damage the younger versions of ourselves caused the woman we came across, Deshaun's battle with sex addiction, breaking generational patterns when it comes to fatherhood, and the hilarious time when he was mistaken for 50 Cent in Korea. So stay tuned and get ready. Let's go. Beats by Pete Samples. Education. Yo, 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 what's good? I'm back. It's the Baldy God with the superbly supreme gleam. Now, I mean, top two Baldies, but I'm not number two. The smoothest Baldy on both sides of the Mason Dixon lines. Yes, I did not speak incorrectly. Baldy so smooth, they can't believe it's not butter. Your host, Taryn Morgan II. Welcome to another episode of the Miseducation of the People podcast. New Miseducation. Shout out to everyone that is leaving the drama, the negativity, the mess in 2020 and starting 2021 off strong on an amazing foot. It's a new year, new energy, definitely feeling the glow up. You know, you're going to see it over here. You know what I mean? It's, it's The ball has been shining, the beard been shining, but you're going to see a whole new level of shine in 2021. So best believe Shout out to all my lactose intolerant people out there, man. It's a sad time because when you become washed, your body starts to tell you like, yo, you're getting old and it starts acting funny with things that you used to love. For example, cheese. Why does something so good have to be so damn bad? (laughs) For real. I I love pizza, but I'm tired of my stomach feeling like... That's every single time I eat it. And I'm sure my toilet be cursing me out every single time something mean. Life isn't fair at all, for real. And lastly, shout out to the black woman out there. Y'all truly are heroes. Y'all, I know it's been a long time since y'all had an episode, but I did leave y'all with some extra credit. I mean, so uh, y'all be out. This is the season one finale. Um, Season one was just to really get our feet wet, you know, see what it's like out here in these podcast streets. And, you know, I'm really impressed with the progress that was made. You know, um, it's just a little, 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 little taste of what's in store for the podcast. Trust me, I have some bigger stuff in store for the future. But um, as fucked up as 2021 has started um, on a social justice tip, personally, has been nothing but blessings and abundance of opportunities coming to me. Um, stuff that I've been working on for a minute, you know, that will allow for the Real Talk Session series to, to go to the next level. This year is going to be very life changing and full of abundance. How do I know? Because I've been putting this work in and it's been paying off and I've been seeing affirmations the whole time. And trust me, this is what I've been waiting for for a minute. I've been grinding. Uh, if y'all only knew the amount of energy, the amount of money, the amount of tears that have been shed, lost relationship, man, all that shit. Like, I really had to learn what patience was and to, you know, just surrender to what God's timing is. Now, I mean, matter of fact, I ain't going to speak. I'm going to let the problematic OG, triple OG, Dr. Umar Johnson speak for me. I ain't got time to be checking white man time. I'm on divine time. I don't need to wear no watch. I don't need no watch. 
I'm on divine time. I'm on ancestral time. I'm on Orisha time. You understand me? I'm on a boosom time. I'm on Netta time. I don't need the white man's time no more. Time no more. The year just started, but I know. And just like Conway the Machine told y'all, I already got it. I already got it. I already got it. I've had faith and I've been putting in work. Shout out to the non-believers. Don't get it twisted. That was about like 5% pettiness right there. I ain't gonna lie. You always gotta have a little spice in it to life. You know what I mean? But that negative energy is what truly fueled me to get to this point. So I really want to thank them. Um, thank God that I did not fall to, you know, their disbelief. And I stayed embedded on myself. So, you know, I'm gonna definitely, you know, thank myself also because I've been grinding. But um, like I said earlier, this is season one finale um, because I really have to put more focus on these new projects that have come to the table. But I'm not going to leave y'all empty handed. Never that. Never that. So leave y'all with a little season one parting gift out right now on Apple Music and Spotify is a season one playlist for the miseducation of the people. The link is in the show notes. So just in case y'all didn't catch on so far, right? Each episode is titled... After a song, you know what I mean, um, so the song is matching the vibe of the episode or just the energy I was in that day. You know what I mean, so it's a nice little mixture, a little old school on there, a little Whitney in there. You know what I mean, a little Joey Badass, a little Beyonce, Jay Z. We, we got anything, you know. The boy got range. The boy got range. Outside of the playlist, we got some other stuff coming up too. I'm gonna show y'all what the rest of the repertoire is looking like later on the episode. So you know what I mean, just stay tuned a little bit longer. You know what I mean. But this period in my life is just a feeling of amazingness all around. I mean, expressing gratitude, uh, really getting comfortable with executing, eliminating excuses and procrastination on my end. And I'm really just stepping into exploring my gift, which is insane because I always knew that I was talented in certain areas, but I never really applied myself. And now that I'm applying myself, you know, I'm seeing that those gifts are growing and I'm seeing like really new things about myself and new aspects. I'm like, this is dope. And one, one thing, you know, I really want to put out there is that God has instilled unique gifts deep within all of us that has the ability to change our lives. But in order to access those gifts, you really have to dig deep to go and get it. Now, man, you have to have the ability to self-assess and to put in the work to unlearn the behaviors and conditioning from our upbringing to become the best versions of ourselves. So literally, you have to dig down into the soil to create a space to plant that seed. Know what I mean, and it's going to take work for you to get through all your past. Know what I mean, so, you know, do that work. It's required. You know, um, it's it, it takes a level of intense, honest self-reflection, which many people fear because they will feel like shit when they see the ugliness that they exude. Know what I mean, um, some people will rise to the top and learn from their mistakes and become the best version themselves. Or you have other people who will live with resent with unaddressed wounds from their past that bleeds onto anyone that they may encounter. That was me at one point. I was moving around here, not realizing that I was hurting people because I was hurt myself. They always say that hurt people hurt people. That shit's really true. But it wasn't until I developed the emotional intelligence. I did the work. I looked in the mirror. I saw all the the, the, the fucked up shit I did in the past, I mean, and the ways I, I've hurt women, I mean. So, you know, it's one of those things of where I held that shame, I held that guilt for many years, but then I had to learn how to forgive myself also, you know. Currently, where I'm at right now, 
despite the amazing timing in my life, these types of people have been placed into my life more often than, you know, I would prefer. I mean, um, and one thing I understand is that the universe will provide us obstacles as tests for us to go through in order to get to the next level. It wants to see if you're going to lower your vibration and feed into the negativity and bullshit, or if you're just going to give them positivity in return, don't soak in any of that mess that you're encountering, and to find the lessons within the situation that you're being presented with during these trials. I mean, so I'm passing these tests with flying colors, FYI, so I'm good. Because one thing that I realized is that for many, many years, I was playing with my greatness, but I realized that I was putting in work for others, but it wasn't resulting in anything from anything for myself. Right. So I'm no longer playing with my greatness at all. And that is the same with everyone else. You cannot play with me like what's mine is mine. You're not fucking up my legacy. You're not fucking up my drive. I don't care who you are. I don't care who you were to me. I don't care. <laughs> And I encourage you all to adopt the same mindset for real, because we let a lot of other people keep us from achieving our goals because of their negativity, because of their fear that they're projecting on us, because the fact that they see that they have messed up on something, but their ego and pride is preventing them from, you know, learning from their mistakes and becoming a better person. You know, they want to find someone else to blame because, you know, that always feels good. But, you know, it is what it is. Protect your boundaries during these periods. You know, for me, I'm protecting my boundaries 1000%. This is ADP over this motherfucker. You know, I'm blocking everybody and their mama, literally and figuratively, whoever is trying to disturb my peace. You get a block. You get a block. You get a block. And I mean, but of course, you know, I'm extending grace. I'm giving you one warning because I realized that people go through stuff. And I'm hoping with that one warning that people will come to the senses. But, you know, if they don't, you know, my black finger is active and I mean, but, you know, like I said before, I am building a legacy and I will be the only one that will stop the progress. No one else. We all have our respective traumas that we've been through. And contrary to popular belief, time does not heal all wounds. Doing the work that is required to heal those wounds is what truly fixes those cuts. I'm not going to lie. It is going to be hard work. You're going to want to quit. But at the end of the day, you're going to look at the progress that you made and like, why am I going back to a life of being unhappy? I promise you, like, it's worth it. You know what I mean? Trust the process. It is occurring for a reason. One thing I realized for me and why I wasn't um, able to really thrive, I was always in survival mode, was because, you know, I hadn't evolved into the higher version of myself that was needed in order for me to achieve these goals. And uh, it was Lila Delea. Um, pardon me if I'm saying the name wrong. Um, they stated that self-transformation occurs because of daily choices and actions over a steady amount of time in a consistent direction. I've been moving forward for many years, actually. Financial instability was an issue for me and it negatively impacted my romantic relationships. I did not have uh, a good relationship with money. I did not have strong financial literacy. So I realized that after, you know, my last relationship, like, yo, you can't keep playing around here. You know, you know, it's an issue. You cannot keep turning your eye to it. You know, it, it's something that is there. This is the obstacle that the universe has put there for you to tackle. 
And once you tackle it, your abundance will come through. That is exactly what I did. And it took for me to address my past, my shortcomings, to realize that the issue was my mindset and lack of exposure. Um, I had to really get uncomfortable. I had to get out of my norm and find individuals and resources that will allow me to learn the right way. And once I became whole as a man, that's when the positive financial abundance started to flow in and started trickling in. And little by little, it grows and grows and grows. And I promise you, I am not perfect. <laughs> I, I have many things I need to work on still. But 2021 will be the year that everything that I put my energy towards, I will be getting tenfold, especially the bag, because I put that motherfucking work in. And that's on who? Murray had a little lamb. I, so we are always grateful for our supporters. Thank you to every single one of you who listen to the podcast. Like the numbers have been increasing, like salute to y'all from all over the country, man, for real. A bald man from Jersey can't um, ever think about this <laughs> or, you know, imagine this support that he would get. So I truly appreciate y'all. Thank you so much. Please make sure you are sharing the Miseducation of the People podcast, rate, review, and subscribe. Um, I don't know if y'all saw what I mean, but we had the pod clash, the first ever holiday pod clash in partnership with the people talking podcast and they didn't tell you podcast and that shit was dope. We went over a lot of different stuff in 2020. It was a wrap up episode. We got everything in there. Entertainment. We got a little politics. We got a little comedy, everything. I mean, I was hitting them threes from, from 40 feet away hitting them with the jokes. I mean, so go ahead, check that out. That is on the YouTube also, make sure you are checking out our new video series for men's mental health awareness called Black Man Get You Some Therapy in partnership with the Quintessential Gentleman platform. So far, we've released episodes on anger and high functioning depression. Next episode is on fatherhood. And the main thing is really we're trying to break the stigma associated with mental health when it comes to black men. And I'd like to say that, you know, we're doing it the right way. We stepped up our shit big time when it came to production on this one. And the information is there, it's concise, and our brothers have the resources that they need. They just have to really apply themselves. So if there's any man in your life that experiencing any issues uh, with their mental health um, and don't know where to start, just forward them the, the videos. Um, Dr. Purvis and also Ted and Gene. Uh, they are all individuals that you can reach out to that can assist you with anything that may be going on. And, um, you know, we just want to make sure that our brothers are not out here suffering in silence. And, you know, we're making sure we're healing because that's when we are the strongest, when we are whole individuals. And I mean, uh, also make sure you check out the My Black American Experience Part 2 video. Um, shout out to my brother, Kareem Wilder. He was out there with the Creative Vision um, also with the photography, um, more so kind of like a uh, wrap up to 2020, but also talking about what it's like to live in America, you know, especially with these protests, you know, where we're seeing a direct spotlight on the, the differences in the ways that black people are treated when they protest versus white people when they riot, when they loot, <laughs> they do all that shit. So, you know, it's very eye opening. So make sure you are checking out my black American experience video. Um, it does not show any violence in there um, because I know it's very triggering, but, you know, it's making a point. So make sure you check that out. That link is in the show notes. 
And as I mentioned, this is the season finale, um, and you can listen to the official season one soundtrack via Apple Music and Spotify. That link is within the show notes. Real Talk Session Series is for the people, so you know we had to leave out with a little snack pack. Know what I mean, um, even though episodes will not be posted for a while, extra credit content will still be posted. We will include the links to the video versions of the audio um, because you know the visuals always make things better, but. My thing is that I want to make this information accessible to everyone. So that's why that I rip the audio from the video so that you can hear it. And I mean, get this information out any given way that it can. I mean, because it needs to go out there. It's free. It's educational. So why not? We're trying to help out black communities all across the country. I'll be going live on Facebook and Instagram to talk to y'all and drop some jewels. This is some new stuff I'm working on. A little interactive vibe session, you know. Um, so make sure you are following us on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and YouTube at Real Talk Session Series. And let us know your thoughts. Um, I'm going to be throwing in some other surprise stuff too, you know. Like I said, I'm going to show you the repertoire, you know what I mean? So I'm, I'm showing y'all the range, the different stuff that I can do because... There is a bigger picture here when it comes to the Real Talk Session series. And, you know, we're showing you how to do it right in front of your face. So stay tuned. Also, make sure you are following me on the Chatty Chatty, a.k.a. Clubhouse, at Real Talk Only, all one word. Um, I'll actually be starting a men's support group where, you know, we can blow off some steam and we'll include some mental health professionals. The way to end stigma is to really bring conversations to an easy, accessible platform. Because, you know, we're only privy to think to the level of which we are exposed. And, you know, sometimes we don't know where we can go to to have this type of conversation or where the resources are. We're going to bring it to Clubhouse. Um, I realize that is a public platform, but there's reasoning behind this um, because we want to have these conversations out front. And we will have professionals that you hit up on the side. So, you know, you don't have to worry about being put in a spot or feeling embarrassed. You know, we're going to make sure that people get the assistance they need because it's time for us to stop suffering in silence and get the help that we deserve. We all go through some tough shit. So, you know, we want to help others get through things too, because we all may have similar experiences, but we never know. Like Jay-Z said, you can't hear what you don't reveal. And somebody else may have went through the same exact thing that you have went through and they may be able to help you out. So we got you hit us up on clubhouse. We just dropped the black women, are heroes, hoodies and beanies. Now, I mean, we got the red, we got the black, we got the green, we got the blue beanies. Now I mean, and we still have those. Don't let these degrees fool you hoodies and they are on sale for 21% until January 31st. Make sure that you treat yourself, get that special someone a gift for Valentine's day. Cause that is coming up as usual, free shipping on all orders. Plus, the proceeds are an investment towards a mission of providing empowering educational content that will advance black communities across this nation. We are doing a lot. We are self-funded. We are doing this out of passion. I mean, we can do so much more if we had your financial support. So please consider buying some merch or if you're in the spirit of giving, we also do accept donations. So please visit RealTalkSessionSeries.org. So I know it's been a minute. And hopefully this news isn't too outdated, but I really wanted to provide my perspective on the politics stuff. Uh, this show is called The Miseducation of the People. And necessarily, topics usually aren't broken down as thoroughly as I would like and in ways that will fully tell the truth when it comes to what's going on in society when it's told via the media. So, you know, we've been seeing a lot of different stories from the media, social media, all that stuff. We don't know what is real, what's not. So I always like to put a more informed spin on it, you know, and it's been a minute since I've been on his mic talking to y'all. So, you know, 
please bear with me if it's a little bit outdated, but you know, I'm trying to provide a different spin on it. So, but uh, as y'all know, uh, Cheeto Man is officially out of the office and we are really in an interesting space in history. Uh, the Mayo Massacre was the sleeping roots of America coming out to play. Racism is as American as apple pie, by the way, if y'all didn't know. Um, I don't know how y'all didn't know, but yeah. Um, and one thing I really do love is about my people, black people, you know what I mean, is that we can find humor in any single way. But just the, the incidents that has occurred earlier in this year, it, it was low-key concerning for me, definitely. Uh, these people are extremely organized. They had inside officers who were moving gates with video proof. There were three senators that were found to have leaked information out. And the Trump impact is not going to go away. Um, watch him and anyone that's connected to him, including his family over the next couple of years, because this is eerily similar to how Hitler came to power in Germany. There was an attempted coup that did not succeed, but that provided the seed of hate that was needed to grow and years of organization allowed him to successfully take over a decade later. So history has a tendency of repeating itself here. Not going to lie. I'm not saying that it's going to happen, but do not rule out this either. So let's keep an eye on this. Let's stay politically active and engaged. Uh, I ain't gonna lie. One thing that tickled my petty bone and put a smile on my face is that those thugs who rushed the Capitol are now on the no-fly list. <laughs> and those videos from when he was getting arrested, it was fucking hilarious. <laughs> like, I ain't gonna lie. Um, I feel bad for the innocent kids because, you know, they're involved. But fuck their parents, though. And the icing on cake for me, though, I ain't gonna lie, was this past summer, Trump signed a bill that targeted Black Lives Matter protesters, peaceful protesters. Let me, let me put that right there. Peaceful protesters with a mandatory prison sentence for vandalizing federal property. These people vandalize federal property. So I love it. And, you know, the universe has a way of balancing things out. Um, also, salute to Trump for being the first president in history to be impeached twice in one term, truly making history like he always wanted to. Uh, but I specifically brought this up because there was a lot of confusion as to why there was a push for him to be impeached even though it was close to inauguration day. Impeachment allows for the ability for the president to run again to not happen. So he will not be able to run in the future for president since he only had one term left. And it takes away the lifetime benefits that former presidents are given, such as secret service protection and a stipend, uh, which is all funded with taxpayers' dollars. Now, man. So I'm happy that this page officially is over. But like I said, we really need to watch what's going on on a low because I don't think that this is going to go away. This man is not going to go away at all. So, you know, let's make sure, you know, we're staying prayered up. We out here doing the right thing and living righteously. You know what I mean, but uh, shout out to Vice President Kamala Harris, former First Lady Michelle Obama and Jill Biden for killing the fashion game. I ain't going to lie. Like. These women were fly, fly, fly. And best off, they were rocking people of color fashion designers. So that was something that was dope to me. So salute to them. I'm going to be optimistic. Um, I, I know how America runs. I know it's a game. So I, right now I'm playing strategically. I'm playing chess. I have an understanding. You know what I mean, I'm getting my foot into this capitalistic game. That's the system. There's no other way we can go about it. But I'm also pouring back into my community. So make sure that, you know, 
we're holding our politicians um, accountable, but also make sure that we are doing what's needed to make sure that we are okay. We've seen in the past that we cannot rely on our government to make sure that we are good. So we have to take that extra step to make sure that our families are provided for. And I mean, so don't fall into the trap of thinking that one income is going to get it done. It's not getting it done anymore. Like it's never, ever going to get it done. Um, and cost of living expenses keep going up. People are getting sick. And one of the things is like tap into that power within you to make sure that you are okay. Make sure your grand, great grandkids are okay because of the action that you took today. You know what I mean? So we're just going to say prayed up. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't want to put any um, negative thought out there for the future, but you know, let's take what we saw in the past four years and apply those lessons and learn from our mistakes. So on to today's episode, um, our season finale. I definitely um, enjoyed this conversation a lot. Very raw, uncensored, and with an individual that I have known probably, it's damn yeah it's really over 20 years now since middle school and we've seen each other at our highest our lowest he knew me when i was looking head hit when i had no swag at all for real author Deshaun vernon we out here talking about everything involved with the fellas and how we can really grow and evolve so i ain't gonna say much more and i mean let's get to it you what's good brother Deshaun vernon thank you for coming on to the miseducation of people how you doing today bro i'm doing good brother thank you for having me i appreciate you appreciate it Nah, definitely um, proud of you and the advancements you have made as being a man. I mean, and the fact that, you know, you took the time to really put in work to release a book. Motherfuckers don't know the process behind that shit. So mm-hmm. before we really get into that, uh, tell the people who you are and some background about the book. Yes, yes. Uh, Deshaun Vernon, of course, as you know, I'm 34 years old. I am a full-time dad. <laughs> as well as a full-time working guy who's loved his career um, as a law law enforcement officer. Basically, the book is basically about my journey through life, uh, navigating different obstacles to get to where I am today. Um, It's it's definitely definitely been a long road. Uh, I just needed my story to get out there to help someone out there who was was in need, because I know when I was down and out, there was no, I felt that there was no way out, that there was no one to turn to. I felt as though I was the only one going through my situation. In reality, I wasn't. You know, someone's always going through the same exact thing that you're going through, but it's just a different time and different place. Yeah, nah, and it's definitely important that we have those lessons too, especially as black men, because oftentimes we don't really have those role models to look up to. So salute to you for putting that out there. And the worst was yet to come. I mean, that's that's a... A thing that people, you know, we go through a lot of shit in our lives and we think that we got over one battle and then a few weeks later, another battle comes and all shit. Right. Mm-hmm. So for you, what does the title of this book, The Worst Was Yet to Come, mean to you? The title for the book, what it means to me is the storm, the storm was constantly going to keep coming. It was I'd seen no end. It was like, what what can possibly come next? Like, and it was rough. Um, it seemed like the pain the suffering would never end it was constantly something new if it wasn't the next week or next month or the following following year it's like i just couldn't catch a break mm. you know um i know that feeling <laughs> for real it just it, it was just it, it was definitely it was definitely hard it was definitely hard and mm. um but the book when i when i look at my book and i see the word the worst was yet to come it truly means to me now it means determination yeah. Um, that I fought through 
every obstacle that was thrown at me. Mm. Yeah, the, the, the book is definitely full of stories of resiliency. You know what I mean? And that's what we really need right now, especially in 2020. We see how real shit is, really. So yes, it is. Yes, it is. With, with 2020, you know what I mean? You released something. I mean, this was your, your, your baby, your gift right here. So, so far, what has the feedback been like? It's, it's been out so far, but like, what, what, what the people saying out here? The people, <laughs> that's funny you ask that. Because the stories in that motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> the stories. The stories in it, yes, I know, I know. Um, but the feedback that I have gotten has been remarkable. Um, mm. I knew releasing certain information throughout my book, I thought it was, you know, it either it, it disturbed me to even have to relive it and tell it and then actually put it on paper for the world to see. Mm. Um, but at the same time, the response that I've been getting is, is like I said, it's been overwhelming, nothing but love. Um, they see the struggle within all the um, the things that I've been through. Yeah. Um, minus all the relationships I may have put in there, the sexual experiences. Mm. It was all part of my story, you know. So they look beyond that, and they always, you know, some people even told me that they cried, you know, because yeah. the simple fact that yeah, you got some to, shit in there they to cry had about. no yeah. idea what I was going through mm. this entire time, you know. Social media is a hell of a drug. Facts. Um, so... Um, you post what you want to post on there. So everything always looks sweet and well. But behind closed doors, it's a lot going on. So I was just a, a kid smiling, but behind it, I was screaming, screaming for help. I definitely understand, especially like when it comes to finding the outlet for releasing pain and whatnot. Because for me, you know, I do the video stuff. I do a lot of creative shit. And I've held a lot of anger and rage in my body for many years, right? But I transmute that into my creativity, right? Mm -hmm. So... Mm -hmm. What did this book signify for you? Like, what was the purpose of this book for you? Because I know you mentioned that uh, it wasn't a money thing. Um, you not you weren't doing it for a bestseller. So, like, what was the purpose of this book for you? Yeah, the purpose of this book was... It was two things. I wanted my story to get out there to help someone, like I've already mentioned. Mm. And the two, the, the, one of the biggest things, and I, I honestly felt this way when I released the book, was it was my stress reliever from everything I went through yeah um more so my marriage um how i felt that you know she never i never got my just due mm. far as far as i i hate to say it but revenge so in mm. order i carried around so much hatred towards my ex-wife that i could have felt as though i couldn't release or move on in my life until my side of the story was heard because mm -hmm. when I was sitting in that courtroom, all was it felt as though it was her side being told, yeah. and the rest of the world only heard her. Although no one knew the situation, but inside my mind, uh -huh. the whole world knew. But they didn't hear my side. Gotcha. So when I released it, and the truth is now out there, it's like a big burden lifted off my chest and a weight off my shoulders mm. that I can move on now in my life now. Gotcha. Um, it no longer haunts me. Mm. You know, all the, the trauma and the nightmares that I had no longer bothers me. It's yeah. no longer there. So um, that's I, I definitely needed to get this out. And that was that was my meaning for, behind it. OK. And I understand definitely like when you're talking about like relationships that didn't go as well or th what we thought it was going to go like. Mm -hmm. It's a lot of weight, and we carry a lot of shit from that. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And sometimes you really got to learn how to cut cords. And like what you just said, that this was that release, and it's kind of like that, that cutting cord thing. So I understand that definitely, because you, you know I've been through some relationships. So oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, definitely, <laughs> man. But uh, shit, you know we just growing up really. But uh, let, let's really dive into the book. 
So right off the bat, you mentioned uh, your friend Kyle. He, he was a good dude. We all went to school together, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and to experience that at a young age is extremely heavy. And especially like with our parents in general, they always don't think that children are, I guess, as aware as they are, mm-hmm. as smart or as emotionally tapped in. Mm-hmm. Know what I mean, so what was that healing process for you to go through at that time? At that time, being a 13, 14-year-old kid, um, that process was really rough. That was my first time ever experiencing an actual death mm. right before my eyes. So it was very traumatizing. Mm. Um, the crazy thing is, and I, and I haven't realized it until actually I re- released a book and people gave me feedback, I never told no one that story. Not even, you know, my best friends yeah. like you. I never son. knew you were there. Exactly. A lot I of people like they yeah. never knew I was I never there. I haven't told the story until this book. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's very ironic. I never shared that one on that. It's crazy. Um, but yes, um, it was very traumatizing. Like I said, it was my first time experiencing death. Mm-hmm. And as well as my best friend, um, you know, passing before my eyes. And at the same time, like I said, I was into the church heavy. Mm-hmm. So it's, you know, my struggle with faith and going back and forth with God and wondering, like, who does this to a 13-year-old kid? You know what yeah, I'm saying? Man. Just, yeah. It makes you question a lot of things to go out the way that he allowed him to go out. Mm. And um, it really it really stuck with me for years, years on end of, you know, a lot of nights just crying and wondering and debating back and forth if, you know, religion is really real or God is God really real. Yeah. You know, so that definitely, those, those are the traumas that I had to suffer. Yeah. And I've struggled with my faith, too, with like a lot of different things that occurred. Um, you know, I've dealt with a lot of people passing, transitioning in my life, too. Mm-hmm. But one of the things I really had to recognize, even though they weren't here physically here, they're still here spiritually with us. Mm-hmm. And the fact that they passed, there's a lot of shit that they can't do physically that they can do for us in the spiritual. They're mm-hmm. up there working hand in hand with God. Mm-hmm. And that's one thing I really like that you put within the book that you got those messages, you know, at your graduation, at graduation, you know, mm-hmm. Kyle was right there. Um, when you graduated from the military, when you were the police, mm-hmm. Kyle was right there. So that's one thing, you know, I'm glad that you really recognize that, you know, because mm-hmm. that hurt is heavy. Mm-hmm. But when you recognize that they right there over your shoulder, got your mm-hmm. back in ways they couldn't have physically, mm-hmm. then that's a powerful thing. So yes. I'm good that you really yes. came to that conclusion, really. Um, yes. And another theme, because you got mad themes in this book, definitely. So <laughs> <laughs> the lessons are there. It's love. And I mean, mm-hmm. like, love is a very big thing. Fake mm-hmm. ass Bobby Valentino. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, if y'all know this man, hey, he go by Deshaun B. Swear he's hey, yeah, that's my man. Slow it down, Cam. I said, oh, I can finally use the V in my last name. I'm like, how find that? How can I find it somewhere to be sexy? Yeah, hey, man, Bobby this motherfucker ran with it. <laughs> yeah, I ran with it. But definitely, but uh, what one thing definitely um for men in particular that first heartbreak, oh, that God. shit is oh, the hardest. Man. That oh, shit is the man. hardest. And and it's like, you, you spoke about, you know, your teenage years, you know, mm-hmm. child trauma influences who we are as adults. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it was the roughest. So like, how did you heal that inner child? Mm-hmm. Because that's heavy there. And necessarily some breakups are harder than others. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I just want to know, like, what was your process of healing that inner child who was hurt? I would say the process of that uh, more so. You know, and the funny thing is people ask that often about, you know, how was it? You know, how did I heal from that? You know, I never, to be honest with you, I haven't healed from that until, it wasn't until i say about 2000 and, I want to say 2011, 12. Yeah. Um, 
I didn't really heal from that relationship with her. Because mm. like I said, we always remained friends throughout the years on and off. Yeah. You know, no matter how much I may have, you know, dislike how she treated me, at the end of the day, our friendship was so much more than what I wanted. I had to value yeah. the other things that she brought, you mm. know. It took a lot, you know, just to get over the whole aspect of, you know, what things that transpired with, you know, with her and my cousin. Mm. Um, but besides that, I think what, what made things more easier was to have that sit down finally with her after all these years. And what That's I did in 2012 was, and we sat face to face and we talked about it mm. rather than just overlooking it, you know, and just trying to remain some type of friends like we always have yeah. throughout the years, you know, so... Um, I finally got to talk to her and, you know, get her side of the story why she never gave me a chance. Uh, and it was the most stupidest thing ever. Yeah. And you got to think about that childhood mindset at the time because yes. our brain yeah. stopped developing at 26. So mm-hmm. we've yeah. been thinking some yeah. wild shit as kids, but it's not really not that serious when it's you think not, about it from adults. It's, you know not, I mean? it's <laughs> not, man. And it, was, yeah. it was rough. And to hear the things that she said or why she didn't give me a chance, it, I, all I could do was just laugh, man. But yeah. Yeah, so that's a part of life, man. And that's, that's the thing. Like, there is no manual at all when it comes to relationships, no. dealing with women at all, man. So, like, for you, well, let me speak on me. Like, I didn't have guidance when it came to that. I had to learn on my own. Like, mm-hmm. for my my L's, the many L's I had, I mm-hmm. had to learn each time. I don't say I have L's. I learned lessons. I gained mm-hmm. something from it, right? Mm-hmm. So, how did you truly learn about relationships, and when did that like click for you? How did I really learn about relationships, and when did it click for me? Because we grew up in the Big Pippin era. <laughs> <laughs> that music video, son. Yeah, B-E-T right. uncut. All that shit. Like, it, when you don't have a positive male ro- uh, role, role model, model that's above you mm-hmm. that's telling you how it's supposed to go yes. and you got people just really feeding into that, mm-hmm. it's real. And we'll be young, man. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You don't really know until you, you get older. You don't. Um, so when did I really learn about relationships? I would probably say my real relationship. I, I didn't experience a real, real relationship until I'll say... Tiara. Tiara was my first real relationship, although we were never, you know, officially together. But she taught me, she taught me a few things, um, how to, how to, I would say, love. Mm. She taught me how to um, distribute my feelings, speak up on things, gotcha. um, understand how love works. She was a little, she was much older than me. <laughs> yeah. uh, I was only 19. She was 22. So she uh, she's actually kind of schooled me to things and how to control your emotions or uh, display your emotions, yeah. I would rather say. So uh, that was the first time I would say at the age of 19, that's when I you know discovered how to maneuver relationships. Okay, got you, got you. And especially like, like I said, we, we were uninformed about certain things when we were younger, mm-hmm. right? Um, like relationships you had to learn older when you're older right and necessarily the damage that we cause when we are um, uninformed and younger and mm-hmm. don't know about relationships right it causes us to you know when we're younger to really act out and do a lot of shit that we regret when we're older right mm-hmm. and I know for me like I was out here you know what I mean <laughs> I was out here you know what I mean? and like I've carried many years of shame and guilt from the damage that I've caused women when you know I was younger and more uninformed you know what I mean so I repent for my actions in the form of advocating for women um, and that's helped me to release that weight you know what I mean because mm-hmm. it was heavy Mm-hmm. And that involves like speaking up when I see violations against women, but also I 
the first woman's experience because I never lived a second in her shoes, right? Mm -hmm. So how did you get over the shame of, you know, your past? And did you attempt to repent for your actions? Um, well, first of all, just to get over the whole shame part, um, that was a... Well, for, that wasn't so hard because of the simple fact I am a caring, very compassionate type of person. Mm. Um, despite my actions, um, I don't think any woman can say that whoever dealt with Deshaun that I was not a compassionate person. I was never to type to, you know, argue with a woman, mm. um, uh, get into back and forth shadow matches or I'm always been a guy to talk it out. At the end of the day, I always wanted you to see me in a light where no matter where, no matter what between happens between us two, I still want to remain some type of friendship after us. Yeah. You know, so I always made the, I always like to say I made the, the burden a little bit light. Mm. Um, so you can never compare me to any other man. Yeah. Um, so only thing they could probably say to me is that, uh, you know, just you were, uh, you were, you were like every other guy as far as experience, as far as in the sexual aspect of, you just, just using women, you mm. know, for a yeah, sexual experience. When it wasn't always like that. Yeah. So to getting over the shame, the, the shame part, it it was it wasn't as hard, um, because what I did was I always reached back out to you, to mm. try to uh, mend mend a broken heart or whatever the situation we you know occurred between us. Yeah. Nowadays, what I do, what I tend to do, is to make sure um, to repent for my. I don't play games anymore with women. Um, what I when I mean what I mean by saying that is, I let you know what it is from up front, and what I want, and I let you know honesty. Honesty is the biggest key. I like to tell yeah. people from here on. I wish Facts. I could adopted this method so far back because you'd be surprised what honesty can do to you. Yeah. Women who wants to actually hear the truth, they respect you for mm -hmm. it. And they'd be like, wow, this dude just really told me. He yeah. just really just wants to. And then really, one thing to tag in real quick with that is that when you lying, you got to remember all these lies. That's actually yes. energy. <laughs> yes. Extra and that energy. takes a lot. That yeah. takes a lot. And we over there. So my yes. mind be fucked up. Like, huh? Yes. <laughs> like, so I don't lie no more. Yes. So to answer your question, repenting, how do I, I, I tend to just, you know, be honest from jump. Mm. Um, and I let you know what I, what it, what I'm looking for, or if this can work or not on it, it won't work. Um, that's my way of repenting and, and trying to make right for all my wrongs. Got you, got you. Thank thank you for that. And um, this book was very it was full of honesty and very vulnerable moments. You speaking about your past and whatnot. And necessarily, I never knew that you faced uh, sexual abuse as a child. You know, mm -hmm. thank you for being vulnerable and speaking about that because I think that you know. It's a very stigmatized thing, especially in the black community. We don't talk about those type of things. It's mm -hmm. kind of like a hush. It didn't happen. Um, just like mental health, you know, same thing. You're not allowed to talk about it, right? Mm -hmm. But that causes it to be stigmatized, and it just adds to the issue. It snowballs, right? So I'm, the fact that you put that out there, that's important. And, you know, especially when we're trying to stop that trend going through um, our communities, right? Because mm -hmm. we're breaking generational patterns all the time, right? Yes, constantly. So... Having our um, positive relationships with our father, um, I see you taking action to make sure that you, you're becoming a better man yourself, becoming mm -hmm. a better father and all mm -hmm. that stuff, right? Because those younger ages influence who we are as, as adults, really. Mm -hmm. So 
You spoke about being addicted to sex. Mm-hmm. What is it like battling it? And how do you resist temptation? The addiction, uh, people ask me that question. I like to say it's no different than any other addiction uh, from your, your alcohol addiction, your um, drug addiction, mm. um, your addiction for shopping, your addiction for gaming, whatever the case may be. An addiction is just something that is a, you basically a repeat felon yeah. constantly and you cannot control that urge or ang- that urge or craving. Mm. So when it comes to my sex addiction that I had, it was, it was very, well, first of all, it's, you have to understand that you are addicted to something and yeah. we are ignorant. First step is admitting. Exactly. The first step is admitting it. You know, it was hard for me because it was just like, no, I just love women and I just, you know, mm. here's an opportunity. She want to do it. She want to do it. But at the same time, not every opportunity created that that platform for you to have that mindset. Yeah. So what I mean is more so the addiction was, <clears throat> it was challenging. Like I said, the first thing was saying that I'm, it was first thing is admitting that you have an issue. Uh-huh. And I think when I really had the... Uh, the inkling that I was addicted was, like I mentioned in the book, the ice pack on my, you know, <laughs> <laughs> the ice pack on, and throughout all that pain, uh, uh, I still wanted to go. Like yeah. I was like, nah, I'm not done. Like yeah. I want to go right back to it. <laughs> and I'm like, I just, and it wasn't so much of the sex aspect of it. It was more so I was addicted to the, uh, the idea of pleasing a woman. Like, okay. I was more so into, I wanted to literally fuck your mind. I wanted to uh-huh. really give you me that you won't forget about me. Mm. So whether that was, you know, and then what it came with is me breaking down your body. How do you like certain positions? Mm. How do you take, um, how, do, how, how, how do you move in a certain way when I may put you in this position or I may talk into your ear. It was all those little kinks and crevice to mm. um, the process of sex. Because at the same time, we all had sex before and we know that we get very bored and through our sex. Yeah. I didn't want to be that guy. Uh-huh. If I was going to have, if I wanted you to be talking about me years from now, mm. what I was going to do? You had to put the work into it. Yeah. And that's what I did. I put the work into it and I broke it down. What is our biggest things as human beings mm. is sex. What is our downfall? Sex. What does it do? It leads you to all different types of avenues, love, lust, all those type of things. Mm. So why not become great at it? That yeah. was my mindset. So if I can't hold down a relationship, no one can love me the mm. way I want to be loved, and I keep having failed relationship after failed relationship, fuck it. I'm about to have my fun now. Yeah. So my fun was to, I'm going to fuck your world up now. Yeah. If I can't have you the way I want to, mm-hmm. which is for you to be my lady or my number one lady, then guess what? My way of blowing off steam is to go make many others my lady yeah. some way, somewhere. So. Now, I got you. I got you, definitely. And thank you for being honest about that, too. So, like, is that something that you still, like, struggle with? Or is it more so you think that you have it uh, under control? And all no, that? it's definitely under control now. Um, I, as a man, you tend, I know from just from myself, at some point in time, you get exhausted. Facts. Uh, you do get exhausted. Um, yeah, your cravings and all that stuff, they do diminish much. Um, then you start to crave more things, and I think that comes along with maturity. At this, at this time, 
you know, at that time when I was going through all that, I was young. I was 21, 22, 23. Yeah. Um, I was just so horny. Any other, just no different from any other horny kid. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Um, now is, you know, like I said, the mind matures and you crave much more than just to lay down with someone. It's much, what can you do more for me? I can no longer just sleep with you just because you got a pretty ass face or a nice ass body. Yeah. I don't get off that way. You know what I'm saying? Facts. It's much more than that. I need conversation. I can't just sleep with you just because that one night stand doesn't work for me. Yeah. <laughs> it work. Uh-uh. I need conversation. I need you know. I need to. I need you to stimulate my mind. And it's so so it's, it's much more than what it used to be once more. So I think it's just uh, maturity happened to me, mm. as well as me taking the right precautions and the right uh, measures to change my ways. You know, such as. You know, sometimes you just, some sometimes you had to stick it out like I did for months. Yeah. I would just challenge myself, constantly challenge myself not to, don't do this. this and that's the thing. A lot of people don't like to develop that discipline that's required you for go. you to elevate. Yes. You know what I mean? Yes, it, a lot of discipline goes into that. Then into me having to, you know, say, you know what? First of all, the first step was for me to stop having sex. Yep. Point blank. That's the same thing. Like if you are having an issue with weight, your first thing is to eliminate, you know, mm-hmm. cut down on the amount that you eat. Know exactly. I mean, so same, same process. Know exactly. Know I mean? But like anything else, you can't just go cold turkey. And that's why I went wrong. So that was, step, yeah. you know, that was the wrong step right then and then. So what I did was, so my next step to, to you know, correct my addiction was to, like you just said, you cut back on things and you do it in moderations. Yeah. And that's what I had to do. I did it in moderations to the point where it was like, all right, so let me just go six months without even having sex. Mm-hmm. And I got to that point, and I was able to do it. And during that time, you get to learn yourself and understand your body yeah. and how things work or whatnot. So um, those, are, those are the measures I took, and uh, it worked out for me. And then you said you had went to the uh, the hillbilly white girl strip club with the fat girls. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> That's really his first step, y'all. I mean, that, that's hurting him yeah. off. <laughs> <laughs> Hell so, nah, nah. So, nah. But uh, th- th- thank you for being open about that. Um, and real quick, if you could, because I always like to say, you know, that representation matters and it requires men to talk to men. You know what I mean, so mm-hmm. what advice can you give to the fellas who are going through or who are going through that situation currently mm-hmm. and they're trying to get through the the battle of sex addiction and also resisting temptation. So, like, what advice can you give to the brothers out here? I talk about it in the end of my book. Um, the advice, the advice that I, I give to men is to, for one, take time out to yourself. And that's, that's what we don't do as men. Learn yourself. Literally, when I say learn yourself, I'm not just saying, just saying it just to say it. Actually, take time out for yourself for mm-hmm. months on end, let's say two, three months where you completely shut every woman off. Understand what's your cravings, how you how you move, how your body reacts to certain things. Yeah. And that's what it took for me. It took me to sit down with my thoughts. What 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 turns me off? What turns me on? Um, what do I want to be? Um, evaluate yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do I want out of life? Is sex is the only thing that we have to look forward to? And that's all I had when I was young. That's all I thought it was life was about. Yeah. Going to work, pleasing a woman, that's it. Yep. And that's not what it is. Life is Facts. much more just a sex. Yeah. And what I what I wanted to do in this book was to express to other young men behind me 
um, who may be dealing with this is do not go by what stigma, the stigma that the world pushes out to us men. Mm. We all got a whole phase. Yeah. That was the worst. That was the worst saying ever that any man can live by because that's what I took it and ran with it. So when I was hurting a lot of women out there, yeah. you know, how I was moving, I, that's all I, I kept having that, that saying in my mindset, mm-hmm. you know, men, we're going to be dogs. Men are going to be men. What the hell does that mean? Yeah. That is not a good saying for us to be attacking and, and honing in on and saying, oh, that's cool. So every woman should just understand. Women that women want to be whole too. They want to yeah. do the things that we do, but yeah. a society doesn't allow them to. Mm. You know, so when I say is what, I, what I'm trying to say is change your mindset. Make your own rules. Live by your own rules. Do not fo- follow what the trend is. Just because your boy is out there getting mad ass and they counting bodies out the bodies. If that's not you, stick to who you really are. Yeah. It's not for everyone. You get what I'm saying? It's genuinely not for everyone. And I watch people who um, can be, you know, very attractive men, and that's not their thing, but they're forced into it by the company that they keep around them. Because they're trying to keep up with the conversations of their boys of like, yeah, oh, I slept with such and such, or my body count is this number, son. Mm -hmm. You know, we, we, we boost each other up in these conversations as if this is a a great thing like it's just something to be proud about but at the end of the day you gotta realize man you hurt you, you hurt with somebody else this is another human being that you yeah. you're hurting um, so I would say man just live 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 by your own code your own rules understand that life is much more than just sex yes we're gonna go through that patch where you have those horny phases and just wanna wild That's out right, and just, yes I was in college yes mm-hmm. I saw we had to worry about was class and that was it. Class partying, yep. class partying, and you just surrounding yourself by women, you know. So just just live, make just live your life, man. Do not focus on and as as women are the only thing that there is out here. It's yeah. much more, so much more to life than just sex. Yeah. And one thing that you really brought up that was important to me was being yourself and unlearning the conditioning and programming that we are taught by society. Like you said, that men are. You, Purpose to fuck. Mm-hmm. I mean, but oftentimes, you know, we forget about other things. It's about being whole. Mm-hmm. I mean, as a man, um, yeah, sex is cool. But what about them other areas? Like you're speaking about, you know, can you handle yourself emotionally? Mm-hmm. What's your financial status like? Can you are you literate financially mm-hmm. literate? Mm-hmm. Know what I mean, like it's a lot of shit that you got to take in consideration. And you know, especially what you saying that sex was never nothing big to you because you realize that you need required more. You mm-hmm. know, and a lot of people need to realize that you know that. To life, it's more than a materialistic shit. It's more than sex. Mm-hmm. Once you take away materialistic shit and sex, what mm-hmm. else do you have? What else you bring to the table? So it's what like, else? that's what that's else? one thing I had to work on myself. And um, another good thing that you said was really taking time towards yourself. You know, you said that two-month period, you know. Elevation requires separation, mm-hmm. you know. Sometimes it's separation from people, separation from mindset, separation from your past, all that stuff. So, you know. It's crucial, you know, take them steps because everybody who knows me, I've been kind of in my head the past couple of years because I've been going through shit. Yeah, I'm trying to yeah. evolve and grow, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But, I mean, motherfuckers seeing what it is. Sometimes you got to be stagnant. You, you that see going into the soil. That's right. It requires time for it to bloom and blossom and to grow into a great tree or plant. So, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. that's what it is. Take time, worry about, learn about yourself, worry about yourself, fuck what everybody else thinks, you know, because it's, you, you're not going to get your gift. You're not going to get your reward, your abundance, mm-hmm. unless you live in your purpose that God has given, given you. you. Yes. Living within yes. your gift, 
if yes. you're over there going with the trends and flows of your boys and your people, mm-hmm. you're not going to get to your gift because you're going away from it. Mm-hmm. I mean, like mm-hmm. life is pushing you towards your, your your ultimate goal, your abundance. But if you're not following your true path, you're not going to get there. And, that's what and I realized that. Yeah, and, and it's, <laughs> it's a good point that you said that because what I realized, and one thing like I to talk about in my book, I was born and raised in a church practically. Mm-hmm. So being within the church for so long, I will always hear from different pastors who may have came to visit our church or just around um, my mom, you know, who's a pastor. Yeah. It was always a moment where someone would call her or someone would approach me and they would say, you got to call in life. You're going to do something special. And as a kid growing up, you're thinking you're going to be something big as, am I going to be the next pastor? Mm-hmm. Or you think of all the things that are, that we see on TV yeah. or the things that bring stardom you know, bring all these type of fame and all that type of stuff. And who would have known there was a book that they may have, that they was talking about? Yeah, and there's more. that's the start. That's the start. That's you the, know the, the breaking of the soil. Maybe, and, and it goes to show that as much as I was going through the years saying to myself, God, of all people, why me? Yeah. Why did I have to go through all this? Why did you put me through what mm-hmm. you put me through that I talk about in this book? And I'm like, besides my sexual addictions, I'm not horrible. Yeah. I'm not out fucking stealing, robbing, killing kids or mm-hmm. molesting nobody. I'm not doing any of these type of things. Yeah. My downfall are women. That's it. Mm-hmm. I'm no different than David in the Bible. Yeah. Sleeping with other people, wives and stuff like that. Yeah. I got a heart for God. Mm-hmm. I talk to him every day. Yeah. Why me? And it all makes sense now. Yeah. It all makes I put you through that so you can put this story out here. Mm-hmm. Can't have a testimony without testing. That's right. I mean, that's, that's one right. thing that I had to realize, especially like with me going through my depression. I'm like, yo, why is this happening to me? But then when I changed my mind to, to this is happening for me, mm-hmm. finding those lessons within that 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 darkness, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it is what it is, you yeah. know. But yeah. uh, but moving on back to the book, really. Um, so I'm very vocal about crying being healthy. I mean, because you know, as men, we always told that. <laughs> Keep keep the shit in because yep. that's a sign of weakness. Weakness. But there was a particular line in your book that I, I loved in particular. Uh, Tears are an expression of your soul, and your soul defines who you truly are. Crying became a source of strength for me, a cleansing of the soul like the waters of the River Jordan. Mm-hmm. Men let those tears flow. So, you know, coming from where we are, mm-hmm. that's a, a sign of weakness. Mm-hmm. You know, anything related to emotions or your emotional state, right? Mm-hmm. When in rea- reality, that is a sign of strength mm-hmm. that you're able to show that you're a completed human Amen. being. You know what I mean? So therapy is a tool that helps us to come to that realization. And that's something that you did go through, the, th- the process of therapy, right? Mm-hmm. So what was the process of you getting into that therapist chair when we come from a place where it's heavily stigmatized? It was tough, man, because I felt automatically when I when I was, I felt it when I needed help, when I realized I needed help was I said... I'm really about to go see a therapist. Like, this is my only option, like, mm-hmm. before I lose it. Like, I need to go see one, but what what are, they, what are, what are people going to think about? What, yeah. what are they going to think about me if I say, yeah, I want to go see a therapist? Mm-hmm. I automatically think, you know, as growing up as a kid, you hear a, they call it a shrink or, you yeah. know, whatever the case may be. You know, that's for weak. A real, you know, you hear from older men who were, you know, above you who was, you know, role models in your life. That's a sign of weakness if you're going to see the therapist. Mm-hmm. You know, real men tough it out. You know, it makes we didn't know it, better. It, we didn't know no better. We didn't know better. You know, is put your face in the dirt and keep digging and digging. Eventually, you're going to come out on the other side. Mm-hmm. And I felt weak. I felt less of a man because I was had to now revert to 
a therapist yeah. to express my feelings. And I'm like, what the hell am I doing? And when I sat in the chair for the first time, you have no idea how nervous I was. Because mm-hmm. I had this wrong... You didn't know what to expect. I didn't know first. I didn't know expect. But also at the same time, I'm thinking in my head of all the role models who... I'm like, I felt as though I was letting them down. Like I was, mm. I was like, you're not a man. I kept hearing this voice. You ain't no man. What are you doing? Like, what are mm. you, this is not what men do. Your father wouldn't do this shit. Yeah. Your uncle wouldn't do none of this shit. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, real men tough this shit out. You, you was tough. Like, how and you that's get all hit? a residual effect of slavery. There you go. That's all it is. There you <laughs> go. Me. There you go, man. <laughs> but I tell you, man, within an hour and a half, two hours, all that went out the window, bro. And all of it went out the window, and I've never been the same since, man. Yeah, mm-hmm. and, and that's what's up. And, you know, I'm proud of you for taking that step, definitely, man. Yes. For real, for real. And, um, you know, shout out to my nephew, Dallas. Yeah. Ahead, and I mean, yeah. doing your thing as a great father. Mm-hmm. Um, do you find it hard not to slip into that same mindset of man up, boys don't cry, when it comes to your son? Yes. Sometimes I do fall into that, that mindset, and, I, and I'm very careful. I'm very hard on my son. Mm. Um, I'm only hard on him because of I understand what type of son, son that I'm raising. Mm. Uh, I think as a parent, you tend to get a grasp of grasp on your child at a certain age. And my age for getting a grasp on Dallas was age five. Mm. He's a tough cookie. Yeah. You know, he's very <laughs> strong headed. You yeah. know, the May babies, they are very strong headed. That's Taurus. Um, okay. those are tours. Yeah, yeah he's yeah, May twenty yeah. second. I believe that is a oh, tour. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so he's he's a tough cookie, but he's an also soft, loving soul. He can forget mm. if I gave him an ass whooping, he'll forget it within five minutes and he's back to wanting to love you like yeah. as if nothing even happened. Uh-huh. you know, so I try to I try to maintain um a level of toughness with him, but each day that goes forward I try to level it back every mm-hmm. time I hang with him and spend that time with him because I, I revert back to my childhood. Yeah. The little time that I did have my dad, he was always disciplining me every time he was around because I was acting up. Mm. It was never, come lay with me, son. Put an arm around me. Let's go chill. Yeah. Let's, it was always a discipline type gotcha. um, thing. And I found myself doing that with my son. Um, every time his mom gave me a bad report, he's doing this or acting out. I'm like, when do I ever show him that I love him, mm. that I actually, I want to hang out with him. You know, I want to give him everything that my father didn't give me. Yeah. Because every time I see him, I'm getting a bad report, so I feel like I got to be the disciplinary. Mm. It's took to, it came to a point where I was like, you know what, no, I'm not doing that. Yeah. I'm not doing that. I'm going to squeeze and hug on my son this week. Mm. I'm going to let him love him. I'm going to talk to him about his, you know, his actions at home. And that's big. You said talk. I'm gonna, exactly. I'm going to talk to him about it. I'm not going to scream to him or get him up or do all types of putting him in a corner for, you know, none of that stuff. Yeah. We're going to try to talk this thing out to let him know that my dad truly loves me. He's not always going to be that guy that want to get on me every time my mom reports. He can talk to me. And yeah. he always got to be hitting me or yelling at me or the case may be like it was for me. You know, so I wanted to change that cycle in that pattern mm. and that's what I did man that's what I did so I don't even I don't even you know get into it anymore when how, what happens at home with his mom is what happens at home with his mom yeah. but when he's with me it's a totally different story so 
I have changed. I have definitely changed, especially with this book coming out. So I, it challenged me to live by a lot of what I put in it, mm. you know, in parenting. So, um, yeah, that's what it's been. So, no, that's, that's what's up, definitely. Because, like, we got to break those generational patterns, you know what I mean? And, like, a lot of the shit does come back from slavery. Yes. Like, when it comes to discipline, yelling, being mm-hmm. kids, saying man up, all that shit, too. Mm-hmm. So, you know, mm-hmm. I'm glad that you're changing that perspective and showing him that men can love each other. Mm-hmm. I mean, father and son. Because yes. it's just that big perception of, like, oh, showing emotion to your son, that's a sign of weakness. Mm-hmm. Nah, mm-hmm. he's learning how to interact with men in a healthy way. Mm-hmm. And then that's going to, in turn, affect his relationships with women, too, yes. later on. Yes. And, you know, teaching him how to be a father eventually. Mm-hmm. Because kids are sponges. They see everything we're doing. Everything. And, you know, just like you saw what your father was doing, he was disciplining you constantly. Yes. But now you're showing your son something different. Mm -hmm. You know, I always Mm -hmm. say that we are like models of cars. You know, the last model didn't have a sunroof, but that's our parents. We got the sunroof. We got a lot of the seats. Your son going to have a Hoover car flying around. (laughs) So it's like we're just building upon the model. I mean, so, Mm -hmm. you know, he's going to be bringing the the Vernon name to the uh, next level. I mean, so your ceiling is his floor. That's the main thing. There you go. I mean, that's a good one. So um, with with this uh, podcast, you know, I like to be a um, non-traditional educational tool for people who are out here doing shit. Right. Mm -hmm. And um, you are, yeah, my first author, definitely, here. Yeah. Okay. So, definitely. Great, so, great. I always like to break down the process behind shit. So, what was your favorite part of the book, all the different themes that you have? What was your particular favorite part of the book? You know what's funny? Uh, reading my book back for, like, the umpteen time, um, I would like to say over the last past week, I, the, the greatest part about my book is me adding what I add for each chapter, mm. which was throwing a different song title. Oh, yeah, a lot like of people, like a lot of people trying try to be like me with the podcast. <laughs> titles, I ain't know that. <laughs> Yo, a lot of people. I haven't got the feedback yet on it, um, but I thought it would pop more. But what people understand, what, what it means something to me. If anybody who don't know me, um, besides the book, I am a music R and B head. Yeah. Like I live, breathe, sleep. So we'd be in a car driving to a party. He listen to a, a full full of dudes listen to R and B. Get the fuck out of here. I love my R and B. I love it to a to a fall. Listen to that shit, child. To pre-game. a fall. I know, I know, I know. Ninety eight percent. I love my R and B more so than some hip hop. But at the same time, people what people don't know, like I was saying, each chapter of the book has a song title and that song title is a song that means dear to my heart mm. it's something that I either listened to a million times before or something that I learned from it or something I you know fell in love with um, so those are not just songs I'm just throwing out there just to be thrown out there those mm. are songs that I actually love that was on, that's in my playlist that I listen to a lot I um, so I would say that was the the, the best part of the, the funnest part and the funny thing is I didn't throw that into like um, like a couple days before I released it, I'm like, how do I uh, let the like world that. know? How do I let them know that? Show my love for music much more. I'm like, I'm looking at the chapter. I'm like, now nah, I got to be a little different, man. Something, yeah, you know. So and that's when I came up with that idea, and then I was, it was a great, great idea. All right, but but so on the flip side, what was the toughest part of releasing the book? So we talking from the beginning concept, the writing part, editing, promo, etc. So out of everything to get this book out and even now with the marketing what's mm. the hardest part I would say the hardest part is right now which is promoting my book mm. uh, for one the promoting part I put out so much money to just to get it edited 
and then you know as a first time writer you know you make some errors so you you lose out on some money yeah. because you make mistakes of you know a first timer and you know so you spend more than you actually should have you know um and for the most part for a promotion is and I respect them for what they do um and I'm seeing it from firsthand you know and all the work that goes into promoting but you know they talking fifteen hundred dollars two thousand dollars to promote you know uh yeah. Um, promote for you and, and rightfully so but I was like to myself like no I don't already pushed over $3,500 into this book I can't I can't and mm. then you know and it also goes back to I reached out to people who I thought you know that will understand you know I wasn't looking for first of all I wasn't looking for a handout mm. but the people who said that they were going to help and they was going to help push my book and mm. and who was just trying to say oh I, I'm not going to charge you or I'm doing I was telling them no, I'm, yeah. I'm going to pay you for this, and you what you and also this promotion it, it makes you realize who are really there for you or who was really supportive for you. The biggest piece of advice I can give you right now: the people around you are not going to support you. It's no. the strangers. It's the strangers. My that strangers. You. <laughs> Shout out to y'all. It's the it's the stranger that's going to support you. I can't tell you how many this this book you know promotion has opened my eyes so much. To different people like who who call themselves friends to you, mm-hmm. and it's, I don't want to go to the far as to the extent of saying they're no longer friends, but it make you see them in a different light. Mm. Um, but it, it makes me have so much more respect for my my hustle and my journey. So I would say that this promotion thing is so hard because you can lose friends or you can have your friendship can lessen because of. People know that you're doing it by yourself because you tell your close friends that you're doing it, yeah. and you think you know they will help you. I didn't ask nobody for help, mm. and but I thought that you're you be so close. We're so much of a friend. You, you see, we call each other brothers. Mm. Then why are you helping me? Yeah. Like, when are you gonna throw? And that's one thing I had to learn too as a man. Sometimes you gotta ask for help because yeah. people are not gonna assume or they might not know. Because mm-hmm. with these algorithms, it don't pop up in everybody's feed. So yes. it's like yes, yes, you know. And all I asked is, you know, all I did was ask was just if you get the book, just tag it. That's how I get my algorithms up. Yeah. Just tag yourself. Tag the book. Like it. Comment. You know, people don't do that, man. They don't listen. But it's so it's hard, man. It's hard grinding on my by myself, uh, pushing this out. Um, I can only reach by so many people. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? A lot of people don't, you know, uh, you know, I ain't gonna say they don't get on Instagram as much because they do. Everybody's on fucking Instagram. Yeah. About anywhere between ten to twenty five times a day. Mm. Some some is either more. They just that's just their life. Yeah. So I know you see my shit. Um, so it's it's been rough doing it because of the simple fact that uh, I gotta find different ways to promote. Like everything I did myself, you know, all my pictures, mm. all that. Like for thanks for your help. You know, you sent me the the uh, the apps where I can create my take my own pictures. You know, put them into videos. Yeah. Um, and now I come so good at it. Other people asking me to do it for them now, so I didn't create a whole nother stream into of, your gift. Yeah, you know I, mean? I, I don't, you know, created a whole nother stream of income just by doing that. Mm-hmm. You know, learning it myself and you know doing that for other people. So, um, but it's it's a lot, man. It's getting draining at time, sitting there thinking of new ways to you know promote because I'm trying not to you know prom- Instagram had those promotions where you know you could pay for. I'm tired of pushing out money now, man. Yeah. It's like I need to reap my benefits. You it's know, a marathon, the... like Nipsey said, yeah, and it's all about strategy. And mm-hmm. remember that life is way bigger than Instagram. So, but you know, we will talk about that off mic definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, one one thing I forgot to bring up, um, chapter fifteen. Uh, you mentioned that you 
hated being black, right? So was that a reference to colorism within the black community or just being black in this fucked up world? I think it was, that was more so just in my community. Okay. Um, Cause that's interesting. Cause I never really hear, I, I do hear the conversations, like the, the whispers, especially like when it comes to like, you know, the light skin, dark skin bullshit mm-hmm, and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. But necessarily just hearing it from a man's perspective, face to face. And I mean, mm-hmm. it's different. So like, what was that like for you? And I mean, and like, how did you get through that? Well, for one, you got to realize you're a goddamn kid. <laughs> when this is happening, when kids are walking around in fourth, fifth grade, they showing yeah. you black as hell, your black ass. Yeah, the African booty scratches. Yeah, that yeah shit. you know what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, we you, you we went to school together. You know, it's it's just a it's what we it's what us as kids say to each other because yeah. we have no idea how to express ourselves or things the proper things to say like we do now. Yeah, you get what I'm saying. It was just like it was cool to you know. Oh, your black ass. Yeah. You know, and then you got to realize at that time, back in the 90s, what was we seeing on TV? It was always a lot of light-skinned R&B artists, yep. light-skinned people being pushed out, just like it is for women, yep. how they don't push dark-skinned women. Yeah. They wasn't pushing so much of dark-skinned men. So yeah. I'm like, I felt as though we wasn't nothing. Like, I wanted to be light-skinned. Yeah, gotcha. Like, it was it was a cool thing to be light-skinned because a woman always say, you watching it, be like, damn, he fine as hell. Yeah. And 9 out of 10, it was a light-skinned guy. Got you, got you. You know, so I didn't find no value in being dark-skinned, yeah. you know, until... I got to high school. Uh-huh. You know, now, now we talk college, women love dark-skinned men. <laughs> they like the chocolate, you yeah, know what I'm saying? Not, so how this motherfucker uh-huh. change the voice? They I like that chocolate, chocolate, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know, you know. but as a kid, man, you you don't know what it is, man. You're just yeah. young-minded, and you just you just get tired of being called black-ass, or you're black-ass, you blacky. Well, everything they come up with that got anything to do with black, yeah. charcoal, whatever. Now I got you, I got you. Shit, if you light skin or black skin, it don't matter. You still ugly as shit, though, brother. Yeah. <laughs> you are too, my nigga. You are but too. But anyway, yo, so we, we getting the wrap up. And uh, one one thing you mentioned in the book, when you went to, 50, uh, to Korea, mm-hmm. you said that people mistook you for 50 Cent. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, 47 yes. Cent. Let me hear your 57. <laughs> let me hear your 50 Cent impression. <laughs> 47 Cent. Hey, shit. So that was a funny story because... It was like, we was like two months into, I was in two months into my tour in Korea, and I was stationed at Osan Air Force Base, and if people don't know, uh, Korea is a, South Korea is a beautiful place. I, I advise everyone to go visit there. So, the main place I can't think of the top of my head where everyone goes, Seoul. Seoul is the capital mm. of South Korea. So, that's where all the partying is. So, anyway, we go there, and we're in the club, and yeah. we vibing out, me and my boys, they playing our music. They playing everything that you playing in the States. Yeah. I, I'm like, oh, shit, I'm in my element. Like, oh, yeah. I'm drinking that soju. You know what I mean? I'm just sipping on that and drink everything else. And we have VIP. Uh, okay, so gotcha. now we in VIP yeah. types because I'm rolling with, I never roll with, I roll with like, you know, sergeants or lieutenants and stuff like that uh-huh. through my alpha connection because you know, they got a chapter over there. Yeah. So it was brothers my age and a little older type shit. So. Oh, even though we're wrong, because you're not supposed to, as an officer in the military, you're not yeah. supposed to hang with lower soldiers. But either way, we in the club, we vibing. So everything, every time we go out, we in VIP. You know, they got the bread. Uh-huh. So next thing you know, Shorty comes over there, and she like, she like, 50 Cent? 50 Cent, is that, is that, you? Is that you? And it's funny, because you, you expect them to be speaking some type of, you know, their language. She yeah. sounded so clear, like an American. Uh-huh. She's like, and I'm like, I'm laughing. I'm like, 
I'm like, but I'm tipsy at the same time. Like, yeah, you know, I never got it. So I'm like, yeah, what's up? How you? <laughs> She's like, oh my God, oh my God. I want to take a picture. Where you can I take? I'm going to go get my girlfriends, you know, whatever. <laughs> we can come over and take a picture. Are you trying to have any lives? Yeah, no, nah, I didn't. Nah, I didn't do none of that. Party, pop up. Nah. <laughs> none of that, bro. Uh, and none of that, sure, you know. Sure. And at this time in career, I, I, I look like I'm looking at my pictures. I kind of did because I still had my goatee yeah. in the military. I had my shaving profile, so I was able to maintain that. Got and at it. that time, I was heavy in the gym. Uh-huh. So I'm like, I fit in the description. So I'm thinking she's going to come back. Her <laughs> friend's going to be like, nah, they ain't 50 cent. Like, yeah. what are you doing, girl? They come back, six of them. <laughs> oh, my God, the same. So I'm snapping pictures. Nanny in the VIP session with us. And yeah. I put them on to my boys with us and yeah. that. And it was on from there, bro. It was a great night. Yeah, shit, you yo. stupid, stupid. Yo, when I'm you said that shit in the book, I'm like, yo, this motherfucker funny as hell. Yo, And mind you, at the same time, when we get back to the room, she asked her, oh, what is it like to be an artist? Yeah. What is it like? <laughs> she asked about, she asked about banks. All the why you not with them to this and that? Yeah. Like, what's it like to, in the States to be, you know, rapping and everything? Yeah. I'm just answering these questions. Like, That's my Billy Lyle line like a motherfucker. <laughs> Yeah, uh, you stupid, son. <laughs> oh my god, yeah. it was hilarious. Yeah, bro. nah, that shit had me rolling, son. But yeah, nah, that's funny. But uh, last question I'm gonna ask, then we gonna wrap up. So, what is your legacy going to be when you pass? What are you gonna be remembered for? What is Deshaun going to be remembered as? Deshaun's gonna be remembered as a determined, selfless, compassionate, crazy sob. That's who's gonna be my legacy um, after I pass. Um, I was headstrong and determined not to fail in life. Um, I wanted to succeed and be everything that I admired as a kid. I wanted to live up to that, and I exceeded my expectations. I went above and far and beyond. As a kid, you know, you had these goals and things you wanted to achieve, but you just wanted to achieve that, and you wanted just to stay there. Um, and you'll be fine with that because I'm a very simple guy. I didn't, you know, I never wanted to go to school. I never wanted to go to college. I never wanted to get a master's degree, you mm-hmm. know. I just wanted to be a simple guy with a white picket fence, big house, and just be a cop. That was it. And look at me now. Mm-hmm. I look back at it, and it's still surreal to me. And I, for some reason, I still feel like I haven't arrived because we're never going to be satisfied if you are a a person like me and a person like you like yourself we the type once we achieve that is like what's next yeah and then when we achieve the next thing is going to be a continuous thing so at what point do we stop and say all right enough is enough you know Mm. what do they what do they say smell your roses while you going through your process yeah i'm going to stop right now and smell these roses i'm going to enjoy this because i already have many more avenues that I'm about to create within the next year Mm. um, that nobody knows about. But I got to stop right now. I got to pause for a couple months to enjoy what I've accomplished. Mm -hmm. Because I thought it was going to stop after I achieved my master's, but it wasn't, you know? It wasn't that. It didn't mean nothing to me. It was another piece of paper. And when you're sitting there thinking about it, you're like, oh, I'm going to feel this certain amount of expectation and I'm going to feel so above, so, so great and all these false narratives you put in your head that a, a degree brings or mm. just being accepted by your peers and people out there because you post that you achieved this great accomplishment. It didn't mean, it didn't feel, I didn't feel not one ounce of gratitude or 
mm-hmm. anything. It didn't it didn't do anything to me. So yeah. with that being said, I want people to remember me as being a person who overcame so many obstacles and I succeed. I didn't let I didn't let life get the best of me. I didn't let my ex-wife get the best of me. Mm. I didn't let relationships get the best of me. I didn't let no's get the best of me. Mm. I was determined and that's what I was. And I'm here today to live it out and speak about it, man. I feel you. Thank thank you for dropping that definitely. Um and especially, you know, just celebrating all small wins, you know, gratitude is a key to achieving abundance. You know what I mean? So, you know, just what you gotta do. And, you know, I just wanna take this time to really uh let you know how proud I am of you, of your evolution and the fact that you're able to hold yourself accountable for your actions and just the growth in general. Cause mm-hmm. You know, men don't do that or compliment each other out in the open mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. representation matters. So definitely yes, you do. good looking out. Um, you made great strides and it is an ever going process. So I, yes, I got is. faith that you're going to keep going up and up. Mm-hmm. So tell the people how they can contact you, reach out to you and how they can get the worst is yet to come. Great, great. Hey, man. Um, first off, if you want it fast, quick in a hurry, um, not that I can't, but Amazon, it's on Amazon. You just type in the worst was yet to come book inside the search bar and my face would be the first one because the numbers are constantly increasing, which is a great thing. I thank each and every one of you for your support. Um, or if you can't get it that way, you type in my first name, which is Deshaun, D-A-S-H-A-U-N, or my last name, Vernon, V-E-R-N-O-N, and it will pop up that way. Or you can reach me on Instagram, which is I am. I am Deshaun underscore V and you can inbox me and that's how you get a signed copy and I will first class uh, that mail I will first class send it to you uh, through the mail and you receive it in one or two business days depending on wherever you're at or whatnot. but that's how you reach, reach me and also if you want to reach out for um, speak on podcasts or whatever the case may be um, you also email me at V Deshaun at gmail.com. I appreciate you, brother, for coming on and definitely will be in contact. Thank you. Thank you. The Miseducation of the People podcast is proudly produced and edited by the Real Talk Session Series, where all we do is provide that real talk only. See y'all next season.